And I'd like to also welcome those who are worshiping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV, our YouTube channel, or those who are listening to this message uh, on iTunes uh, or on our uh, uh, audio channel in Buzzsprout. I want to say God will continue to reach you right where you are also in Jesus' name. We want to thank God because we have been on a series of developing the mind of Christ, developing the mind of Christ. And as you can see from the banner there, um, please bear with us. We're changing a few things with our audios and visuals, and so we're needing to understand how things are fitting together. So if you just bear with us, by the grace of God, we will get better. But don't you like the screens? Don't they look nice? They look nice, don't they? (laughs) Hallelujah. We're moving forward. Very soon I'll be preaching and smoke will be coming out of my mouth. (laughs) You want to see that? It's going to be beautiful. Hallelujah. We are going to do great things here and uh, we want to thank God and we want to thank, I'll give you a report on where we have reached so far with the project very shortly before we go. But I want to say that this is a very important series, Developing the Mind of Christ. The Bible says, for we have the mind of Christ. And if we have it, we need to just know how to walk in it and how to manifest it. So this series is in the context of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. We have looked at several things before, and um, we are looking today on becoming all things to all men. Can I have the banner back again? Just a minute. Thank you very much. You can see, if you read from Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5 to verse 11, all the things that we are looking at over the, 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 the eight, week that we are looking, eight weeks that we are looking at this series. We are on the fourth week now, and uh, over the month of March, we will have the last four sessions. The Bible says, who was in the image of God or in the form of God, did not uh, consider it not robbery to be equal with God. So we're in his image. He made himself of no reputation. We saw that two weeks ago, and we are also charged to make ourselves of no reputation. And then the Bible says he took the form of a bond servant, and we can see that as we studied all through last week from Sunday. And today the Bible says, and having appeared, can I now have verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, go to verse 6. And the Bible says in verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of what? No reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. This is where we are looking at this week. And I can, can I have verse 8, please? Verse 8. He said, And being found in the appearance as a man, God Almighty came in the appearance of a man to save man. He came in the appearance of man to intervene in the course of the affairs of man. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says he humbled himself. We'll be looking at that next week, a powerful session, how he humbled himself and how we ought to also humble ourselves. And we'll be looking at obedience. The Bible says he also became obedient to the point of death. What obedience to death really means to a believer. And how to understand, the Bible says he was obedient to death, even the death of, of, of the cross. And then we will look at the precious name that God eventually gave him as we read from verse 9 right through to verse 11. But today, I'd like us to just quickly see that to have the mind of Christ means many things. And this is very important. It means many things. Everything we have said there is a representation. The mind of Christ is not just saying, Lord, I love you, or just talking about Christ, or being able to give the story of his birth, his death and resurrection. That's good, but that's not what it entails. 
having the mind of Christ means like living like Christ, following the example of Christ. John chapter 1, the kids read it so aptly in the, in the beginning of the service. John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, let's read together. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. To emphasize the importance of Christ as being the preeminent. The Christ that the world saw 2,000 years ago is not the beginning of his life. And when they ceased to see him was not the end of his life after 33 and a half years. He only intervened. He came out of eternity, stepped into time, and went back into eternity. And what he accomplished for 33 and a half years is so that you and I can be here today. So that you and I can develop the mind of Christ. Everything was made by him. He was there in the beginning. So that we understand when people of other faiths say they respect Jesus Christ as a prophet. We thank them for saying that because he manifested as a prophet. But he was more than a prophet. He was more than a prophet who lived a life that was bound by time. The Bible says all things were made and nothing was made that was made without him. Verse 4. The Bible says in him was what? Life. And that life was the light of men. Now verse 14, which we all uh, like to remind ourselves. And let's shout that together. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in order to manifest the mind of Christ, we need to be able to learn how to also become all things to all men. If the word that was, the word that is, and the word that is to come could come because of you and I to manifest in the process of time, then you and I must understand that we must also live a life that steps out of our comfort zones, that steps out of our identity, in quote, and goes into the same places he would have still been going if he was here on earth today. And this is what it all means for us. Look at why we should do so. John gave it in the few verses just before this. Let's go back to John 1, 11. The Bible says, when he came, verse 11, John 1, 11, He said, he came to his own, and what? His own did not receive him. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were, verse 13, who were not born of, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what? Of God. Tell your neighbor for me, you are born of God if you are born again. This was what confused Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, do you mean that I have to go back into my mother's womb? To be born again the second time? Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. You have been born of blood the first time. But anyone who is going to come after me must be born of God. And that is a spiritual work. They must become born again. And this is why we must understand that if we are born again, we must manifest as the children of God. So this was where Apostle Paul was coming from when he was 
charging the Corinthians, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 19 to 27. But if we start it from verse 1, it is very important for us, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 1. Now it is very important for us to understand this because it makes our Christianity worth living and makes our Christianity full of purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 1, Paul said, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? That is to say, I'm born again, I'm saved. Look at that. He said, Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? He saw Jesus. He was one of the very privileged ones who Jesus came back to appear to after he resurrected. Apostle Paul. He said, have I not seen Jesus? Are you, those of you that are now saved, are you not my work in the Lord? So that is to say, I'm saved. I'm sorted. I'm okay. I have no problems. I know I'm going to meet him again because my life is sorted. But what he's saying here is that there is something I must do while I'm here on earth. And this is what is our emphasis. For those who are listening to this on podcast or watching the video, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 27 in our Bible reading, so you can read that also to get the proper context of this message. Let's go to verse 19 together. We're just going to pick some verses there again. He said, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Somebody say, He made himself a servant to all. He said, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. We read yes last week on how Jesus Christ, whom Paul is imitating, made himself of no reputation by himself. He took on the form of a bond servant. Paul said, I have made myself. The question we ought to be asking ourselves as believers is, are we making ourselves servant to all? Or are we seeing ourselves on our high horses like those who have been saved and have no problem? When we were, when we were very young, one of my very close friends, he's a pastor now, he used to say when he first got born again, he, he made me laugh a lot when he told me, when we're talking about evangelism, he said he never saw anything in evangelism that as far as he was concerned, he was born again, he's going to, if you want to go and perish, go and perish. <laughs> that it meant nothing to him if you were around him and you refused to be saved. But that's not the calling. The calling is for us to make our servant to all so that we can continue to win. If Jesus was on earth today, physically speaking, he will continue to do those same things we saw him do in Galilee. Those same places he went to Samaria and was preaching. Those same places where we, he was shouting in Bethlehem, in Nazareth. He will be flying all over the world today. He will be everywhere because the time is short. Paul said, I am free from every one of these things, but I have made myself a servant to all. This is why when we go on evangelism and we do those things to reach out to people, it's not because we have nothing to do or because we are afraid of our salvation. But it's because there are souls, there are souls, there are souls that are splitting hell wide open on a daily basis. And it takes you and I to continue to reach out to those souls, to say there is a way, there is a way, and there is a way. Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all. Verse 20. He said, and so to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21. He said, to those who are without the law as without law, not being without law toward God. That is to say, I relate to them not from a position of compromising my faith. Because I maintain my laws towards God, but I want that under the law I remain toward Christ that I may win those who are without the law. 
He said, verse 22. Let's read verse 22 together because it is our theme for this day. Let's read together loud and clear. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Verse 22. Let's read that place again. He said, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. There are so many alls there that end in some. Very important. <laughs> many, many alls. Somebody say many, many alls to win some. The problem of the body of Christ today is that we want to do some to win all. Think about it. We want to choose and pick what we should do and yet we want to win all. The man who said he has done all said it is just to win some. And that's the principle. May God give us understanding. In the name of Jesus. So Paul was describing how he has emulated Jesus Christ and how we ought to emulate him too. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. He said, imitate me therefore. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Imitate me, therefore, as I imitate Christ. As I also imitate Christ. So we must understand, this he is done for the gospel's sake. You and I must do it for the gospel's sake. When Jesus came and his disciples were asking him in John chapter 9, that this man that is born blind, is it because he's sin? Or is his father, is his mother that sin? Jesus said, that is irrelevant. This is another one. I'm paraphrasing now, but you can read John chapter 9, verse 1 to 4. He said, this is another one whose works must be glorified. Whose, the, whose, in whose life the works of God must be glorified. He said, none of them sin. He said, I am on earth now. I must work while it is day. The night is coming when no man can walk. Everybody, no matter who you are, every ticking second, the night is approaching. Every ticking second, the night is approaching. When I came into this country, I didn't have gray hair. <laughs> I just had bits of it. But today, I have to be scraping the thing from the head, from the beard, everywhere. Night is coming. Before you know it, you are 70. <laughs> Some people think they're going to be 35 forever. <laughs> I remember many, just about 24 years ago, I was in a church like this, in a church service, and a, a young a, a, a servant of God is going to be with the Lord now. He was celebrating his 50th birthday. And I, I like to make people laugh because I enjoy laughing. If you have never noticed that, I like laughing. Laughing is my life. If I don't laugh in one hour, I'll have a problem. <laughs> so I find something to make me laugh. I enjoy laughing. Hallelujah. And so when I got up, everybody was saying very serious things. I just got up and said, Elder Biono, we used to call him Elder Biono. He's going to be with the Lord now. I said, Elder Biono, you know, I am so grateful to God. I was, I was just about 26 years old. I said, I'm so grateful to God for your life, that you are turning 50 and we're marking this, that in a few months' time I'll be 50 myself. And everybody laughed. <laughs> I said, in maybe about 400 or 500 months, I'll be 50 myself. <laughs> and everybody laughed. But do you know that by God's grace, in six months' time I'll be 50? <laughs> six months. <laughs> it comes like that. When you look at it, it looks like an eternity. Jesus said, the time is going. What you can do now, do it. Hallelujah. 
This is why Paul said, imitate me. I am passionate. You imitate me. I saw that Christ that called me was very passionate. Paul did not live with Christ in the physical days of Christ here or not. He only read about the acts of Christ. And when he read it and saw that in three and a half years, this guy took the world by storm. Paul stood up and said, I'll do the same. That's why they couldn't stop him. They stoned him. He got up again. They told him to leave some cities. He left, shook off the dust of his feet, went to the next place, continued preaching. Because he realized that time is precious. He said, just imitate me because I also imitate Christ. So we have to understand that if we are going to be all things to all men, to by all means save some, there are certain things that must be part and parcel of our life characteristics. I'll give you just three that God has helped me to see over time. And I pray it will bless you as well. The first thing is that we have to be accommodating, but not conforming. Write it down. Be accommodating, but not conforming. We must know the difference. There's a difference between accommodating people and there's a difference in conforming to their ways. We must have the capacity to embrace people from all walks of life. When somebody approaches you and you say, you know... I, I'm dating is a man like you, and he says, you know, I, I'm in love with, with, uh, with, with John. John is my partner. Don't, 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 don't say, hey, and run away because you think he wants to date you. He's, no, he told you, John, is your name John? <laughs> he said, John is his partner. So, thank God, it's not you. He's not interested, interested in, in the first sister. So, embrace him, as in, love him. Love him, because there is something he needs to understand about life. That you can reach out to him by love. If Jesus had pushed away every prostitute, every liar, every tax collector, and all those people who came around him and were wishy-washy with their lives, where would we have been today? If he had rejected the likes of Saul, who was killing Christians, where would we have been today? Think about it. Matthew chapter 9 was Jesus' example to us on how we should be accommodating. Verse 9. He said, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow him. So he, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Verse 10. Now it happened as Jesus sat at table in the house that behold, look at that. How many? Many tax collectors and sinners. Say it with me. Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now look at that. Jesus Christ, the most righteous, the one who defines and personifies righteousness, sat down with many tax collectors. Those days, they used to count them together. Tax collector, you are a tax collector, you are a sinner. <laughs> You didn't need to just introduce yourself as a tax collector. They saw all of them like, you know, sinners. It's the way, some of the way people sarcastically see politicians today and just believe that every politician is evil. It's not true. But then, that, this is the reality. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must understand, they saw them all as sinners. The Bible says they came and sat down with him. Look at verse 11. And when the Pharisees, somebody said the self-righteous, when the Pharisees, read it with me, it's on the screen. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We the righteous guys, I'm adding my own now. We the righteous guys don't do this. Man, 
You touch sinners? Yuck. <laughs> you eat with sinners? Yucky. We perfect people, man. <laughs> That's what they are saying to him. Say, which kind of master do you have? <laughs> Look at what Jesus said to them, verse 12. He said, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, please read this. It will change your life. Read it. I know you know it, some of you. But read it again. Let's read verse 12. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Ah, may God grant us understanding. When we come together like this, we don't need to preach to each other. We are here to encourage one another. You are saved, you are going to heaven. By the grace of God, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. We're both facing London together, if London is our heaven, in quote. We're both driving towards London. Our concern are those people who are heading back towards Manchester. Those ones driving northbound. So when we're in that car, when we charge one another, we get out again at the service stations and face northbound and join those ones who are going the wrong way and say, come back, the way to heaven, the way to the right place is southbound. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what we should do. But what do we do? We come to the service stations, gather ourselves again, eat good coffee and uh, drink good coffee, eat good uh, bread and uh, rice and beans and uh, pounded yam and all those things we eat and head on southbound again. And those ones are going northbound, left, right and center with speed. And we're even waving some of them. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> do you get my illustration? Jesus said there are those who are sick. They need a physician. You and I must understand we are sent in this world to those who are dying on a daily basis. So we must know how to become all things to all men so that we can accommodate them. We are not conforming to join them on their journey in the wrong direction. But we are are accommodating of them like Jesus sat with them and he taught them the word. How will they know if they are not taught? How will they know if somebody does not tell them that where they are going is hell wide open? I said to somebody recently, I said, you know what? It doesn't matter whether we believe in hell or heaven. People will still go there. So what you and I believe is irrelevant. It do, we do ourselves a world of good to, de- to believe that it is real so that we can make our journey to heaven. Because it doesn't matter. All these days of pluralistic life and all the things that people like to hold in their ideals of what they believe and don't believe. What you believe or not does not change the word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we must understand our job is to be accommodating but not conforming. Romans 12, 2 says we should not be conformed to this world. We should not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The renewal of our mind there simply means let us have fresh perspectives in reaching out to those that we need to reach out. That is another meaning of renewing your mind. Educate yourself. Learn about the things that you can do to relate better as we go to the next point. Make sure that you are renewing your mind so that you may prove. Do you need to prove Jesus to me? I said, do you need to prove Jesus to me? I don't need to prove Jesus to you. We only come together to equip each other to go out there and prove what is that good. What is that acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to let others who are blinded, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, those who are blinded by the God of this world, we need to know how to go there and charge them to see what is right. 
May God help us to be accommodating and not conforming. In the name of Jesus. The next thing, very quickly, is we should be relational and exemplary. We should be relational and exemplary. You see, when Jesus... We are all learning, we are learning all this from the life of Jesus. When he saw Peter, James, and John for the first time, they were fishing. Luke chapter 5. The first few verses tells us there that he took their boat and he preached. But verse 4 says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, look at that. He was preaching about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand. What would you expect normally in our religious service systems? After you preach, what do you do? You give altar call. If you preach in a place where there are a lot of people who are here to be saved, you give altar call. You invite people to be saved. Jesus did not look at them. When he had stopped speaking, verse 4, if you read verse 1 to 3, it tells you what happened as he was preaching, took their boat, was preaching. The Bible says when they had stopped speaking, he now came to their world. He came to their world because they were fisher people. His ultimate goal was to win them. But he did not stand there and say, now that I've preached, have you heard the word of God? Do you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you want to receive me? Now bow down. I pray for you. The Bible says, he said, launch out your net. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5. And then Peter said what? But Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And we know what happened, that his net caught so many fish. But what am I trying to say here? Jesus came into the world of Peter, James, and John, who were fishermen, and used the same thing they were doing to show them the kingdom that they were going to be a part of. How we need this wisdom in our day and age. We need to understand people from their worldview. We need to know the religious beliefs of people. Go and read about Hindus. What do they believe? Go and read about Muslims. Not because you want to become a Hindu or you want to become a Muslim. Don't go and read it and then come tomorrow and say, Pastor David, Allah Akbar. I, 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 I didn't send you that. That is, that is over the top reading. <laughs> Don't come and tell me Allah Akbar. No. Go and read it. Understand what does Allah Akbar mean? Your neighbors say it every time. Go and Google it. Find out. Speak to your computer or Siri. Say, Siri, what is Allah Akbar? I'm sure I will tell you. <laughs> so that you understand. When somebody comes and says, Assalamu alaikum, all he's saying is, peace be unto you. You say, alaikum salam. Which means, I'm giving you peace back. It is not, you are not cursing. Don't say, ah, this man says, Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> I run away. Learn it. When you say alaikum salam, you say peace be unto you as well. Yes. Salam is peace yes. in Arabic. Yes. So you connect with him. You say, oh brother. You say, yeah, brother. Ah, is it not brother? <laughs> brother, oh brother. You say, I've not been seeing you in the mosque. Which mosque have you been going? My own mosque is on, is on Shortaker Street in Warsaw. <laughs> That's the mosque I go. And it's on Sundays we go there. Oh really? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you connect. You may come, you may start like a joke like that. Then you build friendship, you build relationship. Don't go into those things that bring argument. That's not what you're about. You don't, 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 you don't need it. You want to, by all means, save some. So engage. 
Use the beliefs, the hobbies of people. Those of you that know about football, engage people with football. I've lost so much touch. When I sit down now and watch two teams, everybody is looking. I don't even know one player again. About 15 years ago, I was coping very well. But those of you that are still very much involved with the premiership and stuff, it is a big talking play, uh, point in this, in this our community. Use it. Connect with people to it. We must know how to use all these things all together on our social media. Use your workspace where you p- meet people. Use social media. Those of you that know how to knit things, knit it, put it on social media. Open up a discussion there. People who may not talk about your Jesus will come there because they also like to knit things. Hallelujah. This is why everything I'm able to do, I put on social media. It's not because I, I, I don't have work to do. If I'm going on a professional educational conference, I put it on my wall. Because there are some who are interested in those kind of things. That is what is important to them. And they will be happy to discuss with me. Oh, David, how are you? How was that place? And this and that. And it gives me an opportunity to chat with them. If I do something related to the profession or something out of my hobby, some of you will know that I like aviation quite a lot. I like airplanes. I don't know what they did to me. Maybe they carried me in it when I was young. Something happened. I just like airplanes. When I'm in the airport, it's like I'm in in a place so close to heaven. I like them. I'm fascinated by those machines. Don't don't laugh at me. That's me. Some of you like football like that. I don't know what you see in it. (laughs) But that is me. I like it. When I see those big, big machines just take off, I say, ha! Wonder. I like it. If you understand the workings of social media, anyone who follows any thread of yours will be forced to follow everything. (laughs) You don't understand. If he follows your thread that you post on, on football, Anytime you post something about Jesus, whether he likes it or not, he will see that one as well. He may not respond. You may not know that he's reading it, but give him that room. Oh, if Jesus was alive in our day and age, he will have a tax collector's discussion group. <laughs> he will have an ex-prostitute group there. You will see all kinds of, everybody that you saw him relate with in the Bible, he will have a social space for them to come and discuss so that he can continue to infiltrate he can continue to influence them be relational tell your neighbor for me be relational we can only reach people say we can only reach people as we relate with them we need to learn this we need to school ourselves in these things when he related with them he now led them by example luke 5 9 the bible says for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish after he told them to catch to lay to the right side. And so were also, verse 10, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. He started by telling them to catch fish because his goal was to teach them how they will become followers of him who will catch men who will be fishers of men in our day and age we have no we've lost that wisdom we just want to catch them to start catching men and jesus said no relate with them because they are fish fishers jesus related with everyone in what they will understand i've told you that so many times his approach to nicodemus is different from the samaritan woman his approach to to peter is different from that which he eventually came and used for saul even after he had gone by ascension. Jesus had a way of relating with everyone. Without, we never, the Bible says he knew no sin. He never sinned. 
Not once did he do what the tax collectors were doing. Not once did he defraud anybody. Not once did he have anything to do with any prostitute. But so many prostitutes came to, to, to the faith by him. Many people were saved because he learned how to relate with them at the point of their connection. May God continue to give us wisdom. This is what it means to be all things to all men. To the Samaritan woman, you can read that in John, 14, John 4, verse 16 to 19. The woman eventually recognized him as a prophet. When he told him that, you, go and, when he told her, go and bring your husband. And the woman said, I have no husband because I have no husband. And then Jesus said, yes, you are right. You have had five. And the one that you are now is not even your husband. <laughs> and then the woman said, let's read verse 19 together. The woman said to him, read it loud. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a Jesus did not start by saying, I am a prophet. My name is Prophet Jesus Christ, Messiah. <laughs> Messiah JP. <laughs> like our generation will do. <laughs> JP. You know what JP is? Aha. Are you a JP? <laughs> Jerusalem pilgrim. He didn't say that. He said the husband. You, don't, you, don't, you, you are right by saying you have no husband. He connected with her socially. That woman had a social problem. Either she was chasing away all the husbands that she married or they were chasing her away. Something was wrong somewhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because five men, something was wrong. Either with her or unfortunately the people she met. Because we never can tell. But when Jesus connected with her socially, she said, I perceive you are a prophet. When you connect with people in your workplace with the problems they have in their marriage, with the problems they have in their business, in their career, and the confusion that is around them. One day they say, I perceive you're a prophet. At that point, you're in charge. The moment by themselves they can say to you, I perceive you're a prophet, you take charge. You don't take undue advantage, but now you can start to speak into their lives. You can start to pray for them. That point can take six months. It can take six years. It can take 16 years. It's all about a relationship before you get there. May God give us wisdom in the name of Jesus. Finally, be patient and forgiving. What's the first one? Be accommodating and what? But not conforming. Number two, be relational and exemplary. Lead by example. Number three, be patient and forgiving. We must understand that patience is the biggest virtue of God. Towards our salvation. Second Peter chapter 3. From verse 3. He said knowing this first. Just go straight to that. Knowing this first. That scoffers will come in the last days. Walking in accordance with their own lust. And saying where is the promise of his coming. They will treat the matters of the kingdom with disdain. Do you see people like that today? When you tell them about church. They say I don't do church. Church, church is for lazy folk. But church is nonsense. And all those things they say. They are scoffing. It's not their fault. There is a spirit of the end time that has said they will say that. You've got to be patient. Don't get offended. He said, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying that they are free thinkers, they are atheists, they are this, they are that. Verse 4. They don't care about those things that you are saying. The Bible said they will be saying, where is the promise of his coming? My grandfather was a Christian. They will say, my grandfather was a priest in Scotland, in Wales, and blah, blah, blah. And all that. I remember. And my father did the same. But where are they today? And so on and so forth. They scoff. 
you have to say to them. The Bible says, for since the fathers fell asleep, they, were, they continue things as from the beginning of creation. They will be saying those things. But let's go to verse 8. The Bible says, but beloved, verse 8. Read it with me. Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. I want you to shout verse 9 with me. Every time you remember this verse, remember what you ought to be. Verse 9, verse 9, verse 9, very quickly. Verse 9, we don't have verse 9. The Bible says, the Lord is not slack. Say it with me, the Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long suffering. Toward us. Not willing. That any should perish. But that all. 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 Should come to repentance. I've just read. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack, but he's patient. He's long-suffering. I saw this scripture again a couple of years ago, and it came alive in me. If God is patient, we have no reason whatsoever to be impatient with any human being. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your friend at work, whether it's somebody you met on the street, you've got to be patient with them because God is patient with you. That does not give us room to be telling people that you have to be patient with me. I'm, I'm, this is the way I am. And not refuse to change. Because the, when you say this, this, you have to qualify it. Because couples can go home now. You say, do you hear, pastor? You don't like where I put my socks. That's, you have to be patient with me. No, remove your socks from there. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Stop putting your socks on the radiator in the living room. <laughs> I didn't come to your house, so I don't know what you do. Don't think I'm talking about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> We're talking about salvation here. God is patient. We have to be patient. We have to be patient and we have to be forgiving. When Jesus met that woman, please go back very quickly as I start to bring this to a close. John chapter 8. When Jesus met that woman that was about to be stoned, having committed adultery, the Bible says... So when they continued asking him, and he, would, he refused to answer them, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Verse 10. The Bible says, verse 10, John chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus has raised himself up and saw no wom- nobody but the woman, he said to her, Woman, John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 10. He said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, none, Lord. Verse 11. So she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is John chapter, three, uh, John chapter 8, verse 11. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thank you very much, um, Tophimi. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus does not condemn people. Believers must stop condemning people. There is a difference between condemning and condoning. We don't condone sin to the point where we partake of it. 
but we don't condemn people because they are still in a sinful state. We must grow and mature like Jesus Christ. Have the patience of God that those same people that you are looking at today, the day they crucified Jesus Christ, there were two robbers to his left and to his right. We know very well that one of them was unrepentant, but one at the last minute said, if it is possible, Lord, can I be with you today in your kingdom? And Jesus said, welcome. Today you will be with me in paradise. That was just an example to make us understand that it doesn't matter where and how long it takes. Anyone who is willing, it could be after 50 years of their life. As long as they are willing, they can be saved. Let us be that vessel that is also given the chance to people to repent. To give to people to come to our Savior and live like he did. John 3.17 says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. May God continue to grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. Read Acts chapter 28, verse 23 and 24. The Bible says, Paul, when he was on the Isle of Malta and he was preaching to the people, the Bible says that after a long time, some people believed and some people did not believe. This is to tell you, this is John chapter, uh, Acts chapter 28, verse 24. This is to tell you that some people will believe and some people will not believe. Don't worry about who does not believe. Leave them to God. Don't feel offended that they wasted your message or wasted your time. Leave them to God. But keep trusting and keep believing. When I was much younger, Almost 30 years ago now, we just came out of university and we were doing a program in our country. It's called, in my country, Nigeria, it's called uh, uh, the National Youth Service Corps. You do it at the end of your graduation before going into the full work life. You do it for one year. And we were on that program. We, were, we had a Christian fellowship and there was a young man called Rotimi. Rotimi was such a drunk person when we were serving that you couldn't preach to him. Can you imagine you are preaching to somebody who was drunk by 10 a.m.? Anything you are saying, you'll just be laughing and shaking like that because he was always drunk. But we never gave up. We never gave up. We parted ways after the youth service. Six months after, we all met Rotimi in another town. We were shocked. Rotimi was saved, sanctified, training in Bible school. It took us all one year of investment, bombardment, praying from every angle, but we never gave up. And today, as far as I'm aware, I believe he's still alive. He's preaching the word of God. May God continue to teach us patience. May God continue to help us know how to be all things to all men so that we can at least save some in the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and let's talk to God. Well, well.